it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. So, hey, let me say this. Uh, today, I, you know, in some ways I'm really hesitant to talk about what I'm going to talk about just because it's so basic and so general. And, uh, y- you know, for years when I trained people to basically to preach and to, you know, be ministers and all that stuff, I, I, you know, I told them again and again and again, so I'm going to follow my own advice today, that, that when, you, when the Lord's not giving you another clear direction, then you just got to pull from the well. And so today I really don't know if this is for one person in the room or if it's for 50 of y'all, but I just uh, would encourage you maybe to open up your heart and uh, just receive from heaven. Amen? 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 Awesome. So, Father, thank you for the anointing. Holy Spirit, speak loud and clear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So listen, this morning, I just want to share some things that truthfully I've just been uh, thinking about for the past few days. And in fact, there's been uh, three things that have stuck out just in particular uh, that I hope that will be, uh, you know, not only challenging to some of you guys, but hopefully it'll be beneficial to your life as well. And so without taking too much time, here are the three things. So the first thing I've been thinking about is, man, how do we finish well? Right. Secondly, is this is is how do we uh, live from the heart? And lastly, this is how do we establish personal and family values? Now, uh, you know, truthfully, each one of those, for lack of a better word, you know, holds enough weight on its own. You know, we could just spend, you know, an hour on each one of them. But, but I personally believe that all three of those are intricately connected, or maybe I could say intricately woven together uh, in the life of every healthy believer. And uh, if it doesn't make sense at the moment, maybe how those connect, hopefully by the end, you, you'll think, oh, okay, I see it now. So anyway, so I just want to maybe take today and just Hopefully that we can discover how those work together and how they'd be beneficial to your life. So start off saying this. As I begin to, you know, just unpacking the first one there, finishing well. As I begin to think about finishing well, I was reminded of a football game some of you guys might remember. Uh, It was 2016. The New England Patriots played the Atlanta Falcons in Super Bowl 51 to determine which team would be the season's champion. And so let me maybe real quick. How many of you guys are Atlanta Falcon fans? All right. So good. We won't offend anybody today. All right. That's good. So anyways, if, if, you know, I might be the only person actually in New England that was rooting for the Falcons on that day. So I'll throw myself out there, but I wouldn't see Julio Jones get a ring, but it's okay. So listen, if you were uh, one of the 111.3 million people watching the game that night, then you might remember that uh, after a scoreless first quarter, the Falcons scored 21 points and the Pats finally, you know, kicked in the field goal with two seconds left in the second quarter and uh, the, the Falcons took a lead in and halftime, uh, 21 to 3. Now, obviously, after the short break, uh, it looked like, you know, more of the same as Matt Ryan, the, the Falcons quarterback, threw another touchdown pass midway through the third quarter. And uh, once again, the Falcons are taking the lead. They're 28 to 3. And, and I, I'll admit, at that point, I remember Robbie and I were watching together with a group of us. And, uh, and I thought for sure, man, this thing is done. The writing's on the wall. Atlanta's going to cruise to an easy victory. And uh, that was until the Pats finally decided to wake up. Right, and they ripped off 25 unanswered points to tie the game, uh, 28 to 28. 
get this, with 57 seconds left in regulation. So now they, they go into overtime. New England, worst rule in NFL football, by the way, right here. But New England won uh, the coin toss. They received the kickoff, drove 75 yards, and scored on the two-yard run. And it was a, a run by uh, the running back, James White. And, uh, you know, here we are in overtime. You, you know, the New England Patriots, here they are once again, you know, uh, Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, right? And the players are hoisting the Vince Lombardi Trophy as Super Bowl champions. And uh, their quarterback, Tom Brady, you know, once again was crowned the game's MVP. Because why? Because he, uh, you know, fourth time, that was his fourth time getting the MVP. But it was after he completed just 43 of uh, 62 passes for just a measly 466 yards. And, uh, you know, truly it was uh, an exciting game. N nothing more than just watching Robbie run around dancing and hollering. That was, that was pretty good, too. So anyways, so listen, before the confetti could literally fall to the ground, uh, media outlets were already announcing and declaring that Super Bowl 51 was the greatest Super Bowl that was ever played. And uh, why did they do that? Uh, it was because the Pats had done the unthinkable. They had uh, completed the greatest comeback, once again, in NFL history by erasing a 25-point deficit. So watch this. That's only one side of the coin, isn't it? Watch this. Think about it for a moment. Uh, it would be impossible for you and I to witness the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history without us witnessing the greatest collapse of Super Bowl history at the same time, yeah. right? It, you, know, if, uh, you know, if the defeat wasn't bad enough, and most people in the room, because you're, you're Pats fans, uh, to rub salt in the wound, the game has become inf infamously known as what? 28 to what? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we got to watch ESPN, people. 28 to 3. Right. So in other words, to uh, to do what that they're sitting there doing what that they're they're marking that this game is what the twenty eight to three that yes that that speaks to uh, the Falcons collapse and it speaks to the Pats victory. Now the reason I bring this game up is because uh, it has the ability to remind us of two things. Watch this: two lessons in life. On one hand, the Patriot the Patriots reminded us of the old adage that it's not how you start; it's how you finish. Right, that, that it's not how you start, it's how you finish in life. There's in that, uh, you know, hidden within that statement, uh, basically the story of hope and the story of redemption. You know, hopefully all of us in this room understand that. That's not how you start, it's how you finish, right? While on the other hand, the Falcons reminded us of an unfortunate reality, and that's this, that, that a good start doesn't always guarantee a great finish. Are y'all with me today? A good start doesn't always guarantee a great finish. You know, the harsh reality is, is that, you know, after the game, the uh, Atlanta Falcons owner, the GM, the coaching staff, the training staff, the players, uh, even the fans included, none of them, you, you know, cared the fact that their team just played three quarters of brilliant football. Why? Because they didn't finish well. Are y'all with me today? So listen, obviously in the grand scheme of life, uh, that's just a game. If we believe it or not, there was no eternal value resting on that outcome, right? E even though, uh, you know, I believe Jesus hears me when I pray about Alabama football. But, uh, <laughs> but th listen, the lesson for us as individuals here is, in this room is simply this, that you and I have a choice if we will finish well in this life or not. You and I have a choice if we'll finish well in this life or not. Now, watch this. I realize that when a lot of us here uh, finish, finishing well, we automatically think about two scriptures. And I want to show you these really quick. Matthew 25, 21 says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy 
of your Lord. Enter into your rest. And I, I'm, I'm thinking, how many funerals have I been to? And I've heard that scripture read, right? And if they don't read that scripture, uh, and, and maybe, you know, today, uh, you know, your mind went here where they go as well. But 2 Timothy chapter 4, this is where the Apostle Paul uh, wrote his last letter to Timothy before he was executed. He said this. He said, and now the time is fast approaching for my release from this life. And I am ready to be offered as a sacrifice. Then it says in verse 7, I have fought an excellent fight. I have finished my full course, or I have finished my race. And I've kept my heart full of faith. There's a crown of righteousness waiting in heaven for me. And I know that my Lord will reward me on his day of righteous judgment. And this crown is not only waiting for me, but for all who love and long for his unveiling. Now listen, while those are certainly uh, powerful verses that I believe that every one of us as believers should take to heart through the eyes of eternity, uh, I I don't want you to think today that I'm talking about uh, finishing well through the lens of when we'll step out of this life and into the next one. I'm talking about death here today, and uh, that's not really what I'm getting at. Here's what I want us to see, is that my hope is, is that we would all grasp that the span of our lives is made up of short seasons, Right? The span of our lives may have a number of short seasons, and whether we realize it or not, you and I have the ability and the opportunity from God to finish each one of those seasons well. Yes. Right? And obviously, you know, we get it that the accumulation of all those seasons determines how we'll step into eternity. But I don't want us to see that way down here today. I want us to see where we're at right now in the current season, and, and really this, uh, you, you know, that we have the opportunity to finish it well. Yes. Making sense to you? So let me throw a few potential seasons for clarity's sake. Because kind of in life, our seasons are really determined by a stage of few things. <clears throat> they're, they're a stage of our singleness. If you're here today and you're not married, right, you're single, you're, you know, maybe young or maybe you've been divorced or whatever, but you're single, uh, that's definitely a stage of your life. Maybe, maybe you're married, maybe, uh, you, you know, once again, you're, where you're at in marriage determines what stage of life you're in. Uh, kind of the age of your kids determines what stage of life you're in. The friendships you have, the job opportunities, and maybe most importantly, uh, you know, just kind of where you're at with Jesus, right? So, so let me maybe kind of sit here for a second, because in my mind, I keep thinking, about this. I keep thinking about when I was a single guy, and, and I remember I got a really good friend named John Saborov. He lives in Denver now, but we used to live in Birmingham together. And, and here I was, a young guy, I don't know, like 20, 20 years old, 19 years old, burning, wanted to get married, right? And, and just like, man, I want to get married. I want to get married. And John's uh, eight years older than me. He was married, and he has four kids. So he was a little bit ahead of the game than I was. But I remember him telling me this. He said, Quentin, don't waste your singleness, Right? In other words, you, you have time right now that you'll never have when you're married to spend time with Jesus. And man, there was such a truth in that because I would go as a single guy, and, and it wasn't a big deal for me to go spend three, four hours of prayer a day. Right? I was a young guy in college, and, and you know, nobody was, nobody was uh, you know, asking me to come home. Nobody was wanting my attention. You know, we started every morning with an hour in prayer. I would hurry up and eat lunch. If I ate lunch, maybe I'd fast half the time, and I would go pray. And then that night, everybody else would go in bed, and I'd go find a field somewhere, and I'd go spend a few more hours with Jesus. That's how I got to know him. Yes, and that's how he became real to me. So, so anyway, so I'm thinking about that. So if you're single today, in essence, what stage you're in, don't waste the moment. But also keep thinking about this. I keep seeing a couple that's like holding hands at the altar. You know, obviously we do weddings, and, and I have a front row seat in those things, you know. And, and sometimes it, it, it is so lovey-dovey, it just gets awkward, <laughs> right, for me. But so they're holding hands, and they're looking at each other's eyes. And, man, there's nothing but pure love. Now watch this. 
out of all the weddings I've done, I, I can guarantee you that nobody has ever in that moment said, man, I'm hoping, you know, 15 years down the road, man, that we hate each other's guts when we get divorced. Right? Once again, it doesn't matter how good you start. Right? And I, and I keep thinking about this. I keep imagining, maybe it's because i got four kids, uh, but I, I, I can remember holding all four of my babies. Right? In that moment, if I was the first one to hold them, I, got, I was the first one on a few of them, Jen was first on the others, and, uh, but, but holding, our, holding our babies and, and, and just, you know, nobody in that moment, right, looking at your, this gift from God goes, man, I hope when you're 25 and I'm 50 that we hate each other. Right? But how often is that the case? Am I making sense to you today? You, you know, e- e- even in this, you know, if I can say, say this, this morning, um, you know, because there's, there's some of us in here in this room, and I don't mean this in any disrespect, complete honor, but you have uh, more days behind you than you have ahead of you in this life. Right? And, and so you, some of you are, are what they would call the sage age, right? Where you, where you have enough wisdom and enough experience in life that you have great things to give to people. But, but as I was thinking about that this morning, I remember uh, there was a person in our church down in Louisiana when we were all together down, in, down there. There was this older guy named Mr. Green. And, uh, and Mr. Green Jen just gave me a look. This is so great. Uh, Mr. Green uh, had a great habit of every time he had come to church, he was probably, I don't know, late 70s, early 80s. And he would, he would pin every person up that he could, and he'd tell them how great he used to be for God. And he'd tell them, you know, I built this church in 1945 with these hands. And he would, literally, he would do this every week, right? And, and there was a reason he was doing He was wanting affirmation. He was wanting to know that he still had meaning. But, but my wife, listen, who, who uh, young and young, but listen, but, but is very kind and very sweet to people. Okay, the only person she jacks up is me and the kids. All right, so but all the rest of y'all, she's she's really nice, and uh, and she's she's nice to me too. But anyways, I'm just having fun here. So so yeah, so we do love each other. So listen, if you were here last week, I'm not doing too well, right? Anyway, so it is what it is. So we talked about marriage last week. Anyway, so. Maybe I'm hungry, angry, lonely, tired at the moment. But anyway, so, so, so my wife walks up to, the, we were just, I think, engaged at the time. She walks up to this guy and she says this. She said, yeah, because he was telling her everything he'd done, right, 40 years ago. And she said, that's good, Mr. Green, but what have you done for him lately? Tommy's mom, who's the pastor's wife, gave her a high five on that one, by the way. <laughs> So, but listen, in the sense of this, that, that, that for you guys that are older in the room, right, that have loads to give, don't take the attitude of this, well, that younger generation doesn't do it like I wouldn't do it, so I'm not going to get involved. God may be doing a new thing. Yes? And, and, and listen, we have the responsibility, despite our age, is to hear from heaven and know what God's doing and being a part of it. And whatever my role is, maybe it's to be a sage, maybe it's to be a father in the faith, maybe I have something to give. So finish well. Am I making sense to you guys? Oh, hallelujah. All right, here we go. So I guess what I'm asking really is this today, is, is what season of life are you in? What's Jesus wanting to do? Uh, you know, how are you doing in this season? You, you know, to ask, you know, does it look like uh, you're going to finish well? 
Right? In other words, look at your, look at your five-year-old kid. Does it look like we're going to finish this, this little toddler, whatever phase, well? Because the truth is, watch this, is, is that's going to build on who he is at 10, who he is at 15, who he is at 20. Right? And, and I've done this with this guy right here in particular. Right? That I've done this. Uh, I need you to listen to me now. Right? I'm going to be hard on you now because I need you to listen to me when you're 15. Because I remember who I was at 15. Not how you start. That's <laughs> how you finish. All right, here we go. So, so listen, this sense, you know, are, are, you know, in your life right now, are there areas that you maybe need to quit procrastinating on that the Holy Ghost has been going, hey, you need to work on this, and, uh, and you just need to quit dragging your feet, and you just need to do it. Or maybe you're here today, and there's things you're doing really, really well, and you just need to add a boy, keep it up. You're, you know, you're doing a great job. Keep pushing on, right? But, but here's the fact that, that whatever... Uh, you know, season you're in today, I just want to encourage you in this, that Jesus will be as close to you uh, as you want him to be in this season. Amen. So, uh, and the reason is, is because why? Because he wants to see you finish the season well. Are y'all with me? So let's shift gears here a little bit. With all that in mind, it's my opinion that it is impossible for us to finish this season well if we don't learn how to do that second part is to live from the heart. Now, when I mean live from the heart, I mean living to your true self. Now, what I mean true self is not your, um, your fleshly passions. It's not what I mean by that. Uh, but but I, I'll say it this way, and hopefully this will make sense. You know, I have, um, let me say it this way. If we went around the room, if I said, all right, everybody get up and let's spend, you know, whatever, the next five minutes, I want you to ask the person, every person you come across one question, ask them how, you know, how well are you doing at this season of life? And then ask them, you know, do you feel like you're living from your heart? You know, I think a lot of people would, would probably, without hesitation, say, absolutely, without a doubt, I'm living from my heart. But, but I want you to consider maybe this, because I think so often we allow such things as this, fear, doubt, Worry. I say this stuff all the time. Depression, loneliness, insecurities, lust, right? Greed, anger, pride, our ego, our selfish ambitions, dishonesty, guilt and shame, and even this, our lack of faith and our lack of trust. We let all those things rob us of the privilege and the joy of what it means to really live from your heart. Is that true? I mean, think about how many times have you felt like God said, do this, and fear gripped you, and you didn't do it. That's not living from your heart. Right? So listen, for clarity's sake, so you understand who the real you is today, uh, look at Ezekiel 11 with me, please. It says this in verse 19. This is God talking. He said, And I will give them, who's them? It's all of us. I will give them one heart, a new heart, and put a new spirit within them. And I will take from them the heart of stone, and I will give them a heart of flesh that is responsive to my touch. In other words, that hears my spirit, obeys my spirit, knows my presence, knows my voice, right? That's what he's talking about. Now look at Colossians 3. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, get that, to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Watch this. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Where's all that stuff come from we just talked about? Earth. This says in verse 3, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Get that. Our real life, our real heart, our real identity is hidden in Christ. And if we got to know who that real heart is, we need to know who Christ is. Amen? 
So listen, the point I'm trying to make is this, is that when God gave us a new heart, when he gave us a new spirit, when he hit us in Christ, things like fear, worry, right, lust, pride, and so on, none of those things were included in the package. Are you with me? None of that was included in the package. Therefore, what happens is when we allow those things to rule and reign in our lives, when they get to run free, it not only hinders us from living from our real heart, right, but it also hinders us from uh, finishing each season well. Let me just make it practical here, okay? If you start a season, right, with God, you know God's doing something new, man, there's something happening, and, and, and you, you are really independent, and you don't really submit to him. If you kind of have pride and ego and selfish ambition, you do it your own way. Fast forward when that season changes, about five years in, whatever it is, guess what? You, you probably didn't finish that season well. You probably missed loads of lessons. You probably circled the mountain again, right? You're probably, really with God, you, you're, going to come, you're going to have to repeat the grade, Right until you get it, and we wonder why we're not way up there. Well, it's probably because we're not doing this right. Because he, once again, he builds on each season. I hope I'm making sense today. So, li- listen. W- one of the one of the many reasons. Um, let me let me maybe stop. It, it doesn't matter your gifting, your talents, your abilities. Right, It's all about character here with him and knowing him. It's about humility and submission and having uh, his heart, his character, doing things his way before you ever get to go over there. Yeah. yeah? So let me show you. Uh, this is, let me say it this way. This is why I believe uh, one of the many reasons God tells us this verse. Proverbs 4. It says, so above all, get that, above all, above all, above anything, guard. That actually means to set a watchman over to set a watchman over the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellsprings of life. Can I pick on you real quick? I remember Leonard Ravenhill. If you ever heard Leonard Ravenhill, you know what it means to be punched in the mouth by somebody preaching, okay? But, 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 but uh, old Lynn said this. He's talked about basically how uh, people come to church and, and they'll spend an hour getting their outside ready and they don't spend any time on getting their inside ready to come into God's presence. Right? And, and notice what it said right there. It said, pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. Not if, not if your paycheck or your bank account's full, right? Your inner, how, are you bankrupt here? Right? How worry about in here is what he's saying, right? So, so watch this, not to be redundant, but how do you and I guard our hearts from things like fear, worry, lust, pride, and so forth? Uh, I, I believe we guard our hearts first and foremost by having a real relationship with Jesus. Right? Not, not, not everybody listen to me, please. Not quick moments. Yep, Jesus bless me. Yep, Jesus bless me. Lord, thank you for this food. Yep, God, I need some money. No, 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 no. It's waiting here for you. Jesus, what are you doing? So, fellas, let me tell you something. There's nothing weak about waiting on the Lord. Right? There's not, you know, listen, I'm not saying you got to go spend five hours. But, 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 man, don't get up until you know he's, he's met you there. Am I making sense? Because, because listen, the, the greatest promise we have from heaven is that we can walk with God. And, 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 listen, you know, that's not for your wife. That's for you. It's for all of you. Yes, it's for your wife. <laughs> right? It's for every single person. So, so. Pay attention to that, right? Anyways, so I also believe it's this, that we guard our hearts by uh, relying on who he has made us and what he has given us. I got a whole list, but I won't go down it, okay, for time's sake. 
but, but it all begins with the relationship. We've got to read the book, know who we are, right? And uh, once again, know what he's given us. If we know that he's given us a, if he's given us a pure heart, then why am I going to entertain all that mess? Am I making sense? So if I can sum it up maybe in this, that he simply said this, and, and through uh, the Apostle Paul, he said that my grace is sufficient. Man, I, lately, and he and I have had this conversation a few times, but it's this, that, that man, when, when God says my grace is sufficient, he is saying my grace is enough. And watch this. It's not grace just to do what you want. Grace is there. It's talking about, once again, the enabling and empowering grace to do what? To not get entangled with all that fear and pride and lust and all of that. That's the grace. It's, it's enough to help you overcome it. Right? It's enough grace there. Once again, it's enough to do what? To help you lift from your heart and to finish well. Am I making sense? All right. Shift gears one more time and we'll land this thing. I don't think there's a person in this room that's not tempted in some way, maybe every day, but surely every week, to think, speak, and act differently than who you're called to be. Right? Every one of us are. So, so the question we need to ask ourselves is this, is once again, it, it, when, when we are tempted, when we are tempted to not live from our heart, not to live from our true self, what do we need to do to help ensure that we don't fall into all of that? Uh, you, you know, I, I keep thinking about this, this one, one verse. Um, it's Matthew chapter 11. And it maybe sounds a little strange here, but Jesus said this. Watch this. Talking about John the Baptist. He says, as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. Watch this. He said this. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of the wind? In other words, it's this, literally, that when people come into contact with you, what do they think? They think you're a person that flows whatever the emotion of the day is? Are you consistent? What he's saying is, 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 is John wasn't moved by the things around him because he had values in place. Yes? So, so how do we, once again, protect our heart to keep us from being tempted in all these things or, or you know, not falling when we're tempted? Is it simply in this? It's, it's that we establish values, Right. Once again, both personally and as a family, that those things have to be firmly in place so that when temptation comes, we're not led astray easily. If I can maybe say it this way, and if you're married, you're going to get this. But, but how many times, watch this, have you and your spouse gotten an argument and you can't come to an agreement? Why is that? It's because you don't have the same values. Every decision that we make is based off of an eternal value that we have, we realize it or not. Right? So watch this, and hopefully I'm not boring you here, but, but values do this. Values protect us from the lies of the enemy, right? Values anchor us in the storms of life because they're coming, right? Values guide us like a lighthouse when we have no clue which way to go. In other words, when I don't know the direction, I stick to my values, right? It, it, that, that literally that my values act like guardrails that keep us from compromising. They, they give us strength to endure. They keep our priorities in order. And all in all, it's kind of like this. Uh, like John the Baptist, our values are determined by what you and I believe to be true. It's our core convictions and it's what you and I deem to be what? The most important things in life. Let me give you an example here, okay? Is, um, and even if I can say this, Part of what we base our core values off of is what we want to pass on to our kids. Great place to say amen. Right? So, so in this sense, watch this. Let's say, 
let's say, uh, you know, my man here says, uh, Ron, right? That, that Ron says, Ron says, you know what? Uh, my, one of my values is my family. But Ron works so much, he doesn't spend time with his family. So what does that communicate to his family? It says, my work is more important than you. Because watch this, what happens is, everybody listen to me, please, guys and gals, listen, that, that you're, what you say you value and what you really do uh, really shows the difference, right? I can say I value something, but my life shows what I value. In fact, if you want to see what you value in life, go look at your calendar and look at your, your uh, you know, bank count of where you spent your money. That'll show you what you value. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Preach it, preacher. All right, so watch this. I'm going to read something and, and um, just reach out and grab something here. So Johnny, just work with me here. Um, I, I recently read an interview, uh, an interview with a couple, and the interviewer asked him this question. He said this. He said, could you name a few top core values in your marriage right now? Okay? And uh, in essence, he was asking, once again, what do you believe in and what do you hold as most important? And the husband answered first by saying this. Once again, you don't have to be married. You can be single. You can be 15 years old in this room and still have value. So just listen. But he said this. He said, we have a value of serving one another. On the outside of my wedding ring, an old jeweler carved, in serving one another, we become free. He said, right before I got married, I learned that this phrase was what King Arthur had written on the round table where his leadership council of knights gathered. That's pretty cool. King Arthur's vision was for the kingdom to be built on the value of servanthood. I wanted to approach family the same way. I knew from the beginning that I wanted to serve my wife and kids. It was actually one of the things I was looking, I was most looking forward to, especially in parenting. In other words, he said, I want to serve my kids. It says, he said, it's a joy to get to serve one another. Watch this. The wife answered by saying, I think another core value we have is gratitude. When I read scripture, I am overcome by how much Jesus thanked his father. Jesus modeled gratitude that was so revolutionary. This awareness that there was always something to be thankful for before anything happened. I love that. He said, I love the moment at Lazarus' tomb. Everyone is so sad and angry, but Jesus is addressing the father as if no one is there. And he says, I thank you, father, that you hear me. You always hear me. He models this profound awareness and a posture of gratitude for things to come and before what, he has already, what has already happened. It says, when I think about the people I want to be around the most, it's thankful people. And she says, about seven years ago, we took a day trip to the mountains with a friend. It was the longest he had ever hung out with us. And he said, here's what their friend said, man, you guys say thank you all day long. Constantly under your breath, you take a deep breath and thank the Lord. She said, we were completely unaware, but we, uh, but we did do that. I look back on that as one of the greatest compliments we have ever received, even when I didn't know it, I was doing it. Someone else was there to observe that we had cultivated something so beautiful in the secrets. Great little hint there. Values are always forged in the secret. Then the husband added this, and we're almost done here with this. He said this, he said, when I think of rules versus values, it's like having the attitude that says, I have to do this versus I get to do this. Jesus took all the law, rules, and old prophets and put them into a value of what? A value of love. 
He said, if you cultivate love for yourself, love for the Lord, and love for people, all the rules take care of themselves. Isn't that true? Then he said, the gravity of having a value of love has held my wife and I together many times. And then he shifted and he actually shared another one of their values. He said this, our value for God's presence in our home has helped in moments where the fight would have lasted a little longer. The more we argue, the more we feel his presence leaving. Because we're, he said, why? Because we're aware of his presence. We feel the conviction to recognize when we need to humble ourselves and invite him back in to help us. That translates to our kids as well. He said this, once again, because your kids are going to, they're going to do what? They're not going to do what you say. They're going to do what you do. Good and bad. He said, for example, our son was watching a show at his friend's house and started to feel peace leave the room. When this happened, he told his friend, we can't watch this show. Let's turn it off. And he said, our kids have boundaries, had boundaries on what they could and could not watch. However, we couldn't monitor everything they saw. Watch this, parents. It was more valuable to teach them sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's presence. In other words, not a bunch of rules. Teach them the presence, and then when something shifts, they'll... Last thing, their wife added this. She said, when our son was around, man, hear this. You hear any of that, hear this. When our son was around four years old, I prayed that God would give us wisdom in parenting him. God said, teach him to need my spirit. He will outgrow his need for you. But he'll never outgrow his need for me. Start now. Then she went and say, that's a value system, being needy for Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Our kids will take that into every moment of their lives. Rules are very circumstantial, but values will transcend every circumstance. What I want to grab a hold of here is this. Once again, I know I'm repeating myself, but I'm repeating myself on purpose. Is, is notice how their daily decisions were guided by their established values especially in difficult situations when they were tempted to be who they weren't, right? To, to live opposite of their heart. So once again, notice once again that these values were determined by what they believed to be true and what they deemed as what? Being important to their, um, their family. Are y'all with me? Yes. So, you know, I'll say this. Jennifer and I have actually met that guy and his son. Uh, in other words, that guy was interviewed several times, talked with him. And uh, the last time we saw these guys at a conference, uh, I don't know, you, you know, basically the son came over. What I loved is, I, is I've witnessed those parents from afar. We sing some of their songs. I've seen their ministry, you know, whatever. But their son, I don't know, for like 40 minutes talked to Jen. And pretty much all the values that you see in their family, the kid was just shucking it. He's actually the one that told me about Halt, the 16-year-old kid. He said, in our family, we do this. When, I, when mom and dad start fussing, I'll just say, halt. And they stop because they know they're either hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. It's the core value that they've established as, as parents. And once again, what's so cool is to watch that, that once again, not only living from the heart, but man, they're finishing this season well. And once again, that they couldn't finish that season well unless what, that, that they did what? Establish values. So if you can, just close your eyes for a minute, please. I, won't, I don't want to make this moment more than it needs to be, but I want to give the Holy Spirit room. Uh, if you can come play me something, be awesome, man. Just with your eyes closed today, I want to, I want to just maybe by a show of hands, um, be honest, you know, don't, don't give me a bunch of fluff. But, but who in here wants to finish this season in life well? Just lift your hand. 
That's good. That's a good answer. So, so hands down, who in here wants to really experience the joy of living from your heart? Yeah. You, you know, once again, eyes closed. The other night, um, Jen and I just went out for like an hour and a half, and it was after I read all this, and it was so interesting to be able to ask her, uh, you know, hey, what do you think we value in our home? And, you know, it was cool to hear her say her things and then, um, you know, me having the opportunity to say my things. And it was so interesting to see the parts where maybe we weren't connected, but then the parts that we were in agreement on. And, and it gave us an opportunity to talk about, hey, th- these are the things that, that we need to, in essence, to make a priority in our home. Right. So listen, you can do it as a single person and you can do that, uh, you know, as a married person as well. But but I just want to do this. I want us to pause for a moment. Just kind of give Jesus some space. Once again, as individuals and couples, in fact, if you're married and you're you're no you're in within reach of your your spouse, it'd be great to hold their hand in this moment. Uh, but but let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us to identify what we should be valuing in this season of life. And I'll say this, if there's anything there that you know that you've been doing that that's not living from the real heart that Jesus gave you, it's a great moment to just say, Lord, forgive me. But as you, as you begin to seek individually in your, and together to go, God, what's our value? What's our value system here? Let me give you a little hint. As believers, our value should always be things that God values. Don't miss that. Every one of our values as believers should come from the book. It should come from the kingdom. And, and in this sense, it's, it's because when we live according to his values, we live in freedom, we live in joy, we live in peace. But as we all know, when we violate those values, that's when we open up the door for shame, guilt, and condemnation. We don't want that. So listen, just as he plays, I want to just give you a moment to begin to ask the Lord, Lord, is there any anything I need to see here today or any values that you want me to have. And, and I'm not going to close anything today. We're going we're gonna to open up and just let you guys seek heaven. If you feel like you need to get up and leave, you need to go talk to someone, go do it outside, please. Let's make this a holy moment. And, uh, and if you have a phone or something, write down, write down what Jesus tells you. Let me pray for you really quick and we'll, and we'll give you your moment. Holy Spirit, we thank you for just increasing your presence in this moment. We thank you that you're a God that loves us and desires for us to finish well. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for coming and speaking to our hearts today. Show us what should be our core values, our established values in this season of our life. And uh, Lord, we just pray today that we wouldn't move, that we would wait upon you. We wouldn't move until you speak to us today. Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name.
Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.